0: La 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 la
1: la 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 Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I'm your host. Every week I get to interview a beautiful, courageous, strong woman who is willing to share her ugly and beautiful with the world. Must Love Self is a podcast, a movement, and a decision. It is about women lifting other women up, women holding each other women accountable, and women finding their way along this path. I hope you enjoy. La 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 Okay, I am so excited. I had to press record because Nicole and I were going to talk forever and like <laughs> use all of our good stuff without anyone hearing it. Nicole is here today from South Carolina. She has so much to share with us. She wrote a book called Love Notes to My Body and a few others after that. She's a teacher, an editor, a mother, a soul woman. I'm excited to connect with her. Will you share a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, thank you, thank you. I have so excited to be here and chatting with your audience. I've been digging the, the early podcasts already. So I'm like, yay, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I am Nicole, I'm Nicole Sears, and I teach women how to accept and hopefully one day love their bodies one part at a time, crow's feet to pinky toes.
1: I like that you say accept and hopefully love, so it's baby steps and we're going to get there. What I always share at the beginning of this is that while Must Love Self talks about our bodies, ultimately what we're finding out here through all these interviews is it's really about our worth and about using our voice you and i both use our voice in writing and speaking and teaching everyone's got different ways we're going to do it so my first question is why did you say yes to this conversation
0: oh well i just had to back up real quick you were talking about our worth and our voice and our like they're so intricately connected like when we start to be accepting of our bodies we have the confidence to speak out right and and we realize we do have worth. like it's so connected so.
1: and i think it's like the gateway to talking about real stuff because yeah. people that listen, some people are like, yeah, this is totally my jam about body stuff. But then other listeners are like, Carly, my body stuff isn't my main thing. It's other things. And I'm like, that's because we get to the real stuff. Yes. The body stuff is like the front. Like, So I'm a, I'm a recovered alcoholic. You come into the rooms to get sober and you think your problem is alcohol or drugs, but you find out that the real problem is not that at all.
0: Well, and that was kind of my discovery with my body love journey, right? Like Yes. I struggled with my knees. I've had four knee surgeries. I didn't trust them. I didn't like them. I thought their scars were ugly, but really deep down, a lot of my struggle was around being able to accept support mm. and things like that. And that's what came up. Um, someone gave me a really beautiful compliment one time. And she said, she was like, you're really good at helping figure out where our body's holding on to our wounds. Mm. And I was like, Oh, Right. Like that was that reflection. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. I, that is what I'm doing. Our bodies are so freaking wise. Do you I have really, any idea why yours was holding onto them in your knees? I very much have abandonment wound issues. And I think that that was just maybe the body part where it was. I mean, cause think about how much our knees support us, right. And our ability to stand and, and be and. um, You know, I also don't want to give the idea like that I made this happen to myself, like I, I, you know, or, or things like that. But, but yeah, I mean the same with, with other wounds that I was carrying around, right? Like I have a tiny little chip in my front tooth. In fact, when I wrote that essay, my husband was always my first reader and he read it and he was reading it in bed. Actually, And he rolled over and he said, you have a chip in your front tooth. We will have been married for 19 years next month. Right, like that's how small it was, but in my mind, it had always been so gigantic. Right, and and that was so much about needing to be perfect. That was yes. that wound of perfection. And that
1: is what I'm finding with a lot of women is it's not even about the body stuff. The body stuff is definitely one area that we're trying to do that in. But it's I, I need to be the perfect mother. I need to be perfect in my career. I need to be perfect in my family, in society, as a friend. All these areas, and none of us can do it.
0: Right. Well, and. And because of all the, the trappings that come in sort of this toxic society we're living in, all we can focus on usually is that outside stuff. And also it's a little, sometimes it's easier to concentrate on my perceived chipped front tooth than it is to dig into those perfectionism issues. Asking that question, what is it really about? Right.
1: Right. Like, cause your husband couldn't tell you had it and has been closer to your mouth than I'm sure anybody on earth. <laughs> and that is really not about the tooth. It's about that feeling underneath of what you think of me and what I look like and how I, all of yes, it, we're exactly. going to get to it. I see that you are early forties. Yeah. I'm going to be 44 next month. Very exciting. I, yeah. I just turned 42. Did
0: you ever care about your age and how old you are? No. Uh, well, when I was younger, I actually think I did in the terms of, I wanted to be older because I was a a precocious little kid and I was really parentified at a young age. My parents divorced when I was seven and my mom had lots of single girlfriends and I was like the little mascot. So I always like, I wanted to be older. I wanted to be living my life. Um, (laughs) But in terms of like hitting like milestones that women typically don't know, I actually loved turning 30. I felt like, Ooh, this is good. And turning 40. Yeah. I I call it the like giant unfettering. Yes. Like, I felt like I literally kind of had felt like I'd been in this straight jacket and the locks just started popping off. And because that's when I started doing all of this healing work. I wonder what
1: your thoughts are on why, at this age, 40s or 50s, women get to this place where they're like, fuck this. I don't want to live like this anymore. I can't live like
0: this anymore. What do you think is happening? Yeah, because it's a collective thing, it's not just a one off right. sort of thing. I mean, part of it, you actually mentioned this in one of your podcasts mails, like we're halfway there, right? If we look at average lifespans, this is this my second half, like I'm going to make, it, it gives me
1: chills when you said that, because it's true. Like on my, I have on my mantle, the trouble is you think you have time. And I know, like, I believe that I have people all around me. Death is all around me. And so is life. And it's this constant reminder, not in a morbid way, but in a what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Do you want to spend the rest of your life being this unpleasant and unhappy about how you look and what all this crap is like? And, you know, with the world around us right now, can you imagine if the majority of the white privileged women that are upset about our bodies and don't like spent half of that energy trying to help our black Americans who are being murdered for driving or
0: walking or sleeping? I mean, that's sort of like the secret ninja work. I feel like this body liberation work is right. Because if I quit worrying so damn much about my own body, I can quit worrying so damn much about everybody else's bodies. And I have time and energy to invest in the things that really matter to me, which we never
1: even ask ourselves when we're so self-focused. Right. And like, how dare we, like we are wasting this precious time. And so I'm so excited to get into it with you. This is not the most popular part of the interview, but I do want to get an idea where you are today and where you've been. I want you to rate yourself between one and 10. One is the worst, 10's the best of where you are today in your own image of your body. Mm-hmm. Nine. What's the lowest it's been?
0: Mm. I mean, like a one. <laughs> when was that? Uh, when I was definitely, when I was younger, like was high in- school, like twenties. <sighs> um, eighth to 10th grade was particularly brutal. Um, that was a real hard spot, um, in terms of how I felt about my body, but then there have been windows between like when I had my, and that's also like when I injured my knees the first time. And I mean, there've been pockets of time. After that, too, where it was really low. What was going on in eighth to 10th grade? So, home again got pretty unstable. I was so like, it just didn't feel good. Um, my mom had a boyfriend that I really disliked, and he really disliked me. And so, all of that was tricky. And that in conjunction with it was like middle school, early oh. high school, right? And my body went through some pretty intense changes really quickly. Like I started developing in fifth grade and went through all of the, you know, the drama of being a a 10 year old girl wearing a bra at school and like boys would literally pop my bra. Yes. Yes. yes, All of them did, you know, and, and it was this whole, like the whole dichotomy of, I don't like you doing this. This feels terrible. And also I like the attention that I'm getting.
1: And here's the thing we were, we're on the same age. So I can tell you, I remember. The cool girls that had allowed me in their group finally in sixth grade all made the decision that they're going to go get their bras. One of my best friends was like you, she was already like a size C by the time she was in fifth grade. I was flat as can be because I had an eating disorder and we all wore our like champion sweatshirts. So it wasn't (laughs) easy to write. So you couldn't see, we all had the bras and the boys ran around, you know, snapping them. and it's interesting hearing you say like you were self-conscious about your body because it was developing. And I was the exact opposite. I was self-conscious about my because it wasn't. And where are mine? And my mom joking that you could turn your bra backwards and it wouldn't make a difference because I never was developing. I didn't know the reason why I wasn't developing was because I was removing all options from my body to do that. Right. But like just this idea of that time period was so uncomfortable and that the recess teachers, they probably saw these dudes running around doing that. And no
0: one ever said like, that's not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. So yucky. Yeah. Yeah. It was yucky. And so, so I'd already started developing, but then in eighth grade, like I got all the curves Mm -hmm. and also I, because I was really struggling with being unhappy at home and stuff, I was also like comforting myself with food. And so my weight started to increase and, like I didn't know what to do with any of my feelings and I didn't have any outlets. And so I was just so unhappy. And the expectations for the women that women in my life had for bodies.
1: Will you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Yes. The two main women in my life were my mom and my grandma. And they have two very different body types. And my grandmother is someone who always had a really slender physique and ate Snickers for lunch. My mom's body is my body. We literally have the same body and um, same body shape. It's a, it's very curvy and rounded and like, it's just, you know, it's, it's sturdy. And, you know, it's, I have these small little legs, but they're very sturdy little, you know, sturdy legs. But they also, that means I have these thighs and hips and belly and all those sorts of things. And so there was always, It was always unspoken, but there was always this rub between the two of them, right? About, about bodies. And, and at the same time, they both carried around the idea of our body. We have to be perfect. The outside, it doesn't matter what is going on behind the closed doors, but on the outside, we always look really good. Did you
1: ever speak with your mom about what it was like for her growing up with her mom with body stuff?
0: no, no, we haven't. And we actually are estranged now. So, but when like, I, even before I really started to heal my own body stuff, when my kids were little, like she's always talked, like talked about how, you know, her own body in really negative ways and out loud. And I think that the reasoning behind that was she wanted comfort and to say no that's not true. Right. You're you're beautiful. Which I'm
1: actually seeing a lot of right now on social media with girls that are young teenagers with my boys in their grade, like, I'm disgusting. I'm so ugly. And then they say it so someone can so they can all be like, no, you're amazing. Exactly. That approval, looking for that approval. Because it's not just about looks and I wanted to ask you this before I forget, because I feel like you would have something awesome to say about this. I'm really realizing besides the fact that we should stop talking about each other's bodies because it's not our business or place, we also need to find a way to compliment women and young girls without doing it about their appearance. So like, it feels awesome to be told you're beautiful, but I'm also hearing changes that happen in girls' lives when they were no longer told that. And so what is a better way to say to your friend, or your daughters, or somebody that you want to acknowledge them? Is it just better to talk about their character traits?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, who are you as a person? Or, I mean, if you want to keep it casual, right? Because we don't always in a moment need to dive deep. I I like to try to ask like more like the connecting questions. So like with my niece or with my daughters or their friends and things, instead of going, Oh, you're so cute. I love that outfit. Um, I'll be like, I really like that color. Tell me, tell me, is that your favorite color or, you know, things like that? Or, or I'll ask them about what they're doing. Hey, what are you up to these days? What are you? So you won't even right talk now? about their looks not, I try not
1: to, but don't you notice it with women? Like that's one of our first things that we do when we see each other. Oh my God, you look so amazing. And like, I'm getting women just to get from the place of you look so amazing. And then stop going, no, I'm disgusting. Or I look horrible. And then I'm like, no, shut up and just say, thank you. Or then say, I know, don't I, but then I'm feeling like there's like another layer of
0: why are we always talking about how we look? I don't know if you are familiar at all with, um, Jesse Neeland. She is a body image um, coach as well. And she puts out some really amazing content. And one of the things that she says is, you know, how you look is one of the least interesting things about you. It really is. Right. And so, and so I think about that, like, what can I say? And, and sometimes I do with my daughters because they do need to be told that they are beautiful. Right. Of course, us to look at them. And I tell them they are beautiful. But I try and make sure that most of the time I'm telling them that what's beautiful about them is their heart or the work that they're doing or the effort they're putting in or this new skill that they're trying to master versus it always being about how they look. And like, I'm, I have a a teenage daughter and like, she, you know, buys clothes. And sometimes I'm like, oh, okay. okay." (laughs) How old are your daughters? uh, 11 and 13.
1: Yeah. So I have 11, 13, and and almost 15. And this age is so important, especially from the women I'm speaking to about the voices they were told when they were growing up from their mothers, you know, you need to don't wear your hair back. I don't like how it makes your face look. Don't wear this, like all these. And of course, most of the time, the parent is well-meaning. They don't want them to have some sort of yuckiness in their life, but that becomes the tape in our brains of what we're allowed to do, not allowed to do how we're, you know, approved of or not approved of. And I want to get to the place about your daughters in a minute, but I want to come back to the scale for your worth and voice. Oh, yeah. But I'm really, no, I could talk to you about this forever <laughs> clearly. Tell me what you would rate today y- your ability to know your worth. Oh, it's a 10. And was it lower in, around that same time period? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. See, for me, something I don't hear a lot of women talk about yet, maybe I just haven't met ones that were as promiscuous as I was, but I was that time period, middle school, high school, college, I used my sexuality and my body to get my worth. It had nothing to do with my body. It had only to do with my, I felt worthy if a guy, especially an asshole wanted me because that meant that I was hot enough to be wanted. Yep. Yep. And that yep. was really yucky. Um, and then what would you rate your ability to use your own voice to advocate for
0: yourself? Mm, that's probably, to advocate for myself. Right, because I know you, probably, I know you can do it with yeah. your daughter. Oh yeah, like I'm a solid 10 for it's everyone a, else. Yeah. For myself, it's still
1: probably like a seven or eight. Yeah, that's why I make the differentiation because for my kids, I can like the city on fire. And then it's where, you, you know, I'm noticing a lot with what us women is that we're finding out that when we use our voice, which is what I want to do, We are looked at whether it's by men or women. I see it from women too, as bitchy bossy, who does she think she is? Right. And I don't see men being called those things when they use their voice.
0: Right. Well, we're just, and we're not used to really direct conversation either, right? It's that whole nice girl scenario. We're expected to play nice and and appease other people and make them comfortable. And so when you stop making people comfortable, Like that's, they're defensive and that's, it must be you. That's the problem.
1: And then we get
0: uncomfortable
1: because it feels like we're not, we're not getting the approval. We're not okay. So I want to go back to your daughters because I find, you know, as a mother of boys, I find that this is such a wealth of information. How have you gone about parenting these two young women to in a different way or the same way, or how have you been mindful about this whole worth voice body aspect?
0: Yeah. Well, they are really different kids. So, of course, right. M- right. So <laughs> my approach with them is, a, you know, tailored to them, but also in our house, like really nothing is off limits to talk same. about. Yeah. We talk and about so, everything. Yeah. We talk about everything and it's like dinner table conversation. Wait, I have a quick question.
1: Yeah. Have you had your girls watch girls on HBO yet?
0: no so
1: i made all my boys watch it because you know they have such availability to porn Mm -hmm. and the porn that's available obviously is demeaning degrading disgusting every single girl is like a 14 year old asian girl with like size g boobs and like and gross and so we talk a lot about that and i'm like look i want you to see sex and sexuality and gender from this this perspective and so girls if you're definitely open to talking about everything, they talk about everything, Mm -hmm. but it's this great moment in time and it's not dated because I've watched it with them. It's just such a great opportunity. I mean, like Lena Dunham, like, should be like the queen because she's really the one who broke that mold in our time period of like, I'm not Britney Spears. I'm not Paris Hilton. This is what's beautiful
0: and real. Yeah, cool. All right, thank you. I will will check that out with them. Yeah, because- like we made a decision a while ago, I mean, and we still of course do it with with some care, but like if uh, we're watching a family movie and there's a love scene, we're not like, close your eyes. right? Because we started watching the Marvel canon and uh, before Captain America was gonna come out, cause we were like, oh, woman superhero, right? And it was in one of the first, I mean, like there was like a sex scene and, and we were like looking at each other, my husband, and then I was like, wait a minute, why is it okay to watch all the blow them up scenes and we can't watch a scene with people making love, right? So yeah, I mean, like, there's nothing off the table. We talk about we talk about everything, and that's how I approach all this body stuff. And it's tricky, right? Because they're they've already and in, been inundated with so much um, from the world around them, and also from my junk that I hadn't healed as they were smaller. Like I really didn't start my own journey until it like kind of kicked off in like 2016 is when like the awakening began, but it was a slowish awakening. So of course they have all their stuff. And you know, we had a conversation one day and I'll be like, how are you feeling? How's your body? How are you feeling about your body today? Right. And I know like me doing this work, isn't going to protect them from having their own struggles with their bodies. My goal is just to give them an alternative voice that I, I don't that. feel like I ha- like, like, it's not going to protect them. It's not going to save them. They're still having to wade through all the toxic shit, but also I've got my megaphone over here going. It can be different so that they aren't turning 40. There's
1: nothing wrong with you.
0: Right. Right. They're not turning 40 before they face start figuring this mess out. Right.
1: I love that so much. Will you tell me what happened around 2016 that made you
0: switch your path and and go to this path? Yeah. So it was a a politically charged moment um, during the campaign when then candidate Trump talked about grabbing women by the pussies. And it like, it really sent me into a huge tailspin um, because that had happened to me multiple times in my life and
1: assault or men being disgusting both. Yeah. Same.
0: Um, and so I was like, this cannot be the world I am living in. Right. Like, um, and I just had so much rage around all of it and I didn't know what to do with any of it. And so I started, you know, being more politically active and trying to be more aware of what was going on. And I just didn't realize I was like, I'm not happy. And I was like, okay, well, what's going on? Cause from the outside, like everything was good and right. You know, I, I had a really great marriage. Like my husband is such a wonderful partner and you know, my, my daughters were doing well. And I had this career that I loved and all the success markers had been checked off, right? But I was just like dissatisfied. Paper. Yeah. Right. Like I, like I wasn't like in misery, but I was like, there's just something's not right. It's, it's like I'm not in my own skin. Okay. Mm. Like what's not right? So I started getting curious. I was like, okay, what is it? What is it? And I decided that I needed just to learn how to meditate, that that was going to solve my problems and help me handle the rage I was feeling about all the political stuff going on. and. Um, Wait, can I just stop you for a second?
1: So when I first heard that recording, I thought, oh, okay, we're okay. He's never, ever, ever, ever going to get elected after that's been out. And then the rage was that nothing was done. It was like watching a car weaving through traffic going 125 miles an hour and the police not pulling them over. And then when he made fun of, you know, the person who had a disability, I thought we're done. And then it just kept going. And I remember when I found out that that Supreme Court judge was nominated and I thought we are in such an unsafe environment Mm -hmm. where you basically get to do, if you're a white man, you get to do anything you want and you can get to the highest office. If you're a black man, you will be murdered for going to the drugstore. And if you're a woman, you will not be paid the same as anyone. You will not be looked at or listened to. And if we tell you that you've done something to us, we won't believe you. Mm-hmm. And like, you're raising these daughters and I'm raising these sons and I have just as much responsibility as you do because yeah. I need to make sure I don't raise assholes. And we, <laughs> right? So thank you. Yeah, thank you. my responsibility is to raise feminists and to raise boys that are going to become men that stick up and talk about and stand up. I mean, we talk about all of it you know, and when they beg me for something, my youngest one is begging me over. And I'm like, that is not enthusiastic consent. The first time I said, no, we're done.
0: You know, right? that's, that, that's actually one of the things we've talked about with our little girls, with my little girls, when my other girls, since they were little was no always means no. So even between each other, like if I say, if one of them said, no, I don't want to share. I don't want to do this. It was like, okay, no, the first time no means no. It means no. When you know, we it's say not this just sex, right. It's-, it's, and it's, it's everything. So they yeah. learn Oh, there are no matters and it's important. Yes.
1: Okay. So you're enraged. You don't know what's going
0: on. You're looking and what happens? Yeah. So I found an amazing, um, intuitive energy healer. And she, like in my mind, I was like, she's going to teach me how to meditate and it's all going to get fixed. <laughs> right mm-hmm. And of course that is, you know, it, the divine is just cracking up. Cause they're like, yeah, okay. Okay. We, we got you hooked. So okay. Let's reel you in sister. Um, and that's really what happened is just my world really started to, oh, I, I started to awaken and, and rebel. And what I awakened to was how little I liked myself and particularly my body. Right. And all these wounds I was toting around in my body that just were going to have to be healed if I was going to be okay. And when I really did awaken to all of it, I was, it was, again, my daughters were my why, because I was like, this cannot be my legacy for them. I might leave that they, again. They're going to have their own stuff with their bodies and their worth and all of that, but it's not going to be because I taught them Can how you to dig into bodies. that
1: for a second. My daughters are my why, and I want you to explain to our listeners. I know the reason why, but I want you to explain
0: it, it deeper. Yeah, because again, Todd, when you asked me about using my voice and my consent for them, um, when I look at them. It's so easy to love them. It's so easy to see their perfection, just as these human beings living this human existence and to forgive their mistakes and parenting them actually has helped me parent the little girl that's still yes. inside of me. And so it didn't time, feel safe, right? That didn't feel safe, but that I was so disconnected from that I couldn't love, like I couldn't parent her. I couldn't love her because I couldn't dig into all the stuff going on in me, but I could do it for them. And so they were very much, you know, a catalyst when I was like, okay, I've got to heal this. Yes. I'm healing it for me, but I've got to heal this for them too. And I also around the time I started working um, with Marnie, I was, I also discovered a really gentle movement practice called wild soul movement. Um, which I'm in teacher training for right now, which is the bomb, but um, it gave me this space to unravel things. And I was at a workshop and had this really divine moment where I realized like I was meant to be a generational lineage breaker for my Mm -hmm. family. Me too.
1: too. You know what? It's true. And we're going to be sharing each other's books and you're going to see mine is if I wasn't going to do it, no one was going to do it. It was my responsibility. I felt the deep responsibility yeah I is. love what you just said
0: and and I've when I think about my girls for a long time like the work I'm doing is super important but it's like just paving the way for the work I think they're gonna get to do
1: it's like you're shoveling the path of the snow so they can walk through it they still have to walk yeah
0: they still but have you're, to walk, making, but... you're
1: making it clear this is where it is yeah because no one did that for you
0: yeah and, and through no fault of their own because they had no. all their own wounds and stuff going on too. But like, yeah, this was
1: it. So I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And one of the things that you said, I wrote these two questions down. Do you like yourself? Do you love yourself? And I want every listener to think about that because if the answer to either of those is no, or I don't know, or not really, the work needs to happen now. Yeah. Even if you don't have daughters, even if you have
0: no children, if you just for your own soul, Right. Yeah. Yeah. and Well, and I will also say like stuff shows up when we're ready to heal it. So if you're like, no. And then when somebody says the work needs to start and you panic, probably you're not quite there, right? but just, but let it, you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things too. It's like, sometimes we need like multiple touches on things before there's the one thing that finally kicks us over. Right. It always happens
1: to to me with clients. I'll get like random messages and then I'll respond. And then they'll like three months later, they'll say something again. And I'm like, It's like, um, it's, it's a slow dance because they have a moment where they need help and then they get afraid because the work is hard. Yeah. And once you start on this path, it's really hard to go back to the self-hate path because you know, better. It's like, no offense to anyone that's listening. There's not a tooth fairy. And once you found that out, you can't pretend that there is.
0: Right. That it's, I always say it's really tender work right? And what's tricky is if if you start on this work of, of trying to accept your body, right? It, it's a continuum, right? We don't go from body hate to body love, right? We, we we tiptoe along this journey and sometimes we go backward or, or you know, we step off the path altogether. And when you've been doing the work though, when you have those moments where I call it the nasty grand narrative, right? That, mm-hmm. um, that voice that shows up and says all the mean things to you, like once you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to be talking to myself this way anymore. It can be really easy to fall into the trap of shaming yourself for shaming yourself. Oh, it's exhausting. So I just, you know, I'm always like, get, you know, give yourself grace. Give, it's okay that that voice showed up. You just have to remind her that it's not her turn anymore.
1: I love give yourself grace. Did you ring, um, what quotation did you want to share with us today?
0: Um, this is by Dr. Jaya John. He writes lots of really gorgeous poetry. And I think this is from his book called Freedom. Would you like to hear an epic love story? You, healing from all of it and living free.
1: That one got me. I, I know that this is our journey. I know this is my journey. I know it's yours. I believe that I was saved when I tried taking my own life at 19 for so much more. And it is an epic
0: love journey. It is. Yeah. Like we we are our own, like we're our lifelong companions. Mm-hmm. Right? Like from the beginning to the end, we get to be with ourselves. Okay, lightning
1: round, ready? Yeah. What would 80-year-old you say
0: to 43-year-old you? <sighs> she would say, I love you. I love you. And you're doing it all just right. Don't, you know, keep going.
1: If you could go back to yourself when you were in eighth to 10th grade, what would you say
0: if you had a few minutes? Mm. Again, I would say, I love you. And all the mistakes that you're going to make are going to be okay. You are like, we made it this far Mm -hmm. and I get to parent, you now, and you're okay. And I love you. What does it mean to be beautiful? Mm, To be beautiful. I think it means to just be love, Mm -hmm. right? To, to be love in your actions towards yourself and then to whoever else you can ripple out to. What does it mean to be a strong woman? Being a woman requires strength. The, the strong kinds of women I'm attracted to though, um, who I'm like, yes, tell me more. Let me learn from you. I think are those women who don't abandon themselves. Oh, I love that. Like you, like, you know, those like, they're comfortable in their skin and they say what needs to be said and they do it all with a lot of grace and a lot of love and they don't take any shit. I love that. What do you want others to say about you? Um, I had someone tell me not too long ago that, you know, she was still struggling with her relationship with her body, but that now when she walked by a mirror and the nasty gram narrative started that she heard my words in her head and it helped her stop it. And that I was like, that's it. That's why I'm doing this. Right. So it's not just for my daughters to hear there's another way to be. It's for every woman to hear, like you are worthy of acceptance and respect and love, and your body is worthy of acceptance and respect and love. How awesome is it that you get to be the voice in other women's head and helping them? Right. Like that, I was like, I, that's one of the hugest compliments. I don't, that's it. Like I, I, if they can say like, you know, she shined the path, like, wow. Last two. You find out that you have six
1: months left. What do you want to do with the rest of the time?
0: I mean, just, just live, just be like, be with the people I love, write all the love notes hmm. so that they have my words left with them. Um, be outside, be in the water, be in the mountains, just, just be, just, just be
1: last words. You get one piece of advice for everyone who's listening to hear. What do you
0: want to say? You know, there's no rush. There's no rush to heal and to love yourself, but there's always a welcome spot for you on this path and on this journey. And wherever you are in this moment is just right.
1: You have so much grace.
0: Thank you. you. Tell us how we can find your books. My website is sort of my little online village. It's NicoleCairs.com. And you can find all three books there. And they're also available at, you know, whatever your favorite retailer is. So if you just want to Google love notes to my body instead, you can do that.
1: And I will include that in the show notes. I am honored to have you here. I feel like I'm a better version of myself from this time we spent together. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. And those girls are going to be so grateful one day when they get to turn back and realize that the voice that they had guiding them was yours. It's a big deal. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback and digital. I promise you you will love it. Have an awesome day and one more thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. La la
0: la 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 la